Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. Well, hi everyone, I'm Emily Jevons, and today I'm interviewing Brad, who most of you already know quite well through hosting the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. So welcome Brad to the episode and yeah we're really keen to uncover some of your thoughts and your history into becoming an author and a consultant and a podcast host. Yeah. yeah, well I think really with writing a book on how to apply agile to sales or excellence to sales, you know Emily and I spoke about it and, and we were talking about a lot of different books, it's always been a passion of mine, but I knew that sales is an area that concepts of excellence and systems and culture really hadn't been written about before. Most sales books focus on purely techniques to engage, motivate, sometimes manipulate customers. Whereas really to achieve excellence, I feel it's a lot more than that. And you and I spoke and we thought, right, okay, well, sales needs this. And it's a field that hasn't really had books like this written for before. And um, we chose to do it. It was a, a labor of love, took a lot of effort. But we got there, which was great. Yeah, there was a real gap in the market and, you know, your career as a salesperson and sales leader um, probably really influenced the way that you wrote the book. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a unique background in that, you know, I grew up operationally on a farm and actually, you know, producing things and also doing a bit of sales and then into university and mainly focusing on Japan and operational excellence and everything that Japan was doing back then. And then into a graduate position that I rapidly end up being put into sales and marketing, which was interesting, but I grew to love it and worked my career into executive or senior leadership positions. And that's when I rediscovered all the work that was now called lean and agile that had come out of the IT world. So it really allowed me in a tough time because that was about 2008 when the GFC had just hit mm-hmm. and our sales teams and the company I was with were struggling. Yeah. So it really gave us a great approach to try some new things and experiment and learn how to experiment and improve more rapidly as a sales team to deliver great, greater value and delight to customers. And it worked. Allowed us to rebound and I guess that was uh, the catalyst of the book really. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's such a unique sort of proposition because we all know that manipulation just doesn't work with customers today. No, I don't know that it ever worked really back in the earlier times yeah. but um, it certainly isn't isn't looked upon positively at all in today's market and it doesn't lead to success you know I think customers want salespeople to be able to help them improve help them achieve their goals and then I, I believe that sales teams need all the cultural and systematic and goal-driven approaches to achieve continuous improvement that an operational team needs or that a IT development team needs running scrum it's, it's it's all about people, really, whether you talk sales, IT, operations, finance, HR. You know, it's about teamwork, people, how do we deliver improvement and great outcomes for the people that we serve. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to um, just show everyone your book in case you haven't seen it. Yeah. Here so, it is. So Agile Sales, you buy it through all bookstores, online. Amazon's very easy to buy it from. Uh, Agile Sales, delivering customer journeys of value and delight. It's a short read, so we've kept it Agile. 
and um, been getting great feedback, which has been amazing. Yeah, super. So, so the book was released sort of mid COVID kind of pandemic times, and um, I know that a lot of your customers found kind of that gap that they needed and kind of quickly took up what you had to offer. So, how did they sort of respond with that sort of your sort of training in agile sales? I think I learned quickly how to run things remotely and create effective outcomes remotely. And I, I think it's actually been better in many regards, especially for sales organizations where teams are located remotely. They're, they're not typically in the same room. Right. And I think the thing I'd say about Agile is that Agile and Lean, for that matter, are really good in environments where things are uncertain. You know, because it's about experimentation. It's about iteration. It's about learning. It's about constant plan, do, check, act, scientific thinking. And if you look at sales, it's never black and white. Sales is very uncertain. You know, you've got a budget for the year and that's your challenging goal. But how are you going to get to that and who's going to engage with you? You do not know at the start of the year. There's no linear path to it. Mm -hmm. And that's where the concept of agile, which is all built on really strong, small teams working together and constantly experimenting, it's just applied so well then you bring it to COVID times where the world's changing dramatically around sales teams and it's just gone even better because it's enabled a lot of companies I've worked with all of them to pivot rapidly and actually come back stronger like one company I'm working with they won't mind me mentioning them Priestley's Gourmet Delights they are in food service they had the bulk of their business stop when COVID happened but to their credit they embraced a lot of the learnings, pivoted quickly, and have come back extremely strongly. Like they're back on track, and um, it's a real credit to them. And I think it's a credit to this this style of thinking, also. Yeah, fantastic. So, Priestley's, I know they're in a much stronger position. It's great to see. Mm. Yeah, we've actually got a little um, link in our latest newsletter for an article that was written about them. Yeah, Korea Mail. So it's really great to see. Uh, do you want to take us through your book and some of the key elements you think? Yeah. In the book? Yeah, so with the book and other podcasts and presentations I've done, I've brought the content of the book back to what I call the four P's of excellence for agile sales, which is basically purpose, people, process, and performance. And so the book really covers these elements and the techniques of Agile and a lot of Lean aspects too, which Agile is, or Scrum is actually built on Lean philosophies and backgrounds, so it's highly connected. But if you look at it, I believe that for any team to achieve change and achieve great things, you need motivation, and that's the purpose bit. So I think a team initially needs to be able to understand their challenging goals and where they're going and what they need to do strategically, but they also need to really understand why and what that motivating factor is for them to really fuel the blood and take the journey mm-hmm. because without motivation and, and emotion it's unlikely that humans will improve or change anything really we are creatures of habit largely and the other factor is to do with that culture you know that the team really understands its culture and uses that to form that tight unity as a team mm-hmm. so much in when, when i studied Toyota production systems and tqm back in university, so much of it was focused on teamwork. Whereas I feel like now when we train on lean and agile, and tech, well, agile is exclusion, but when we train on lean, a lot of trainers don't talk much about teamwork. Mm. 
And I think Agile's really kept that strong. So to me, purpose, the first bit, is all about, you know, where are we going? What's our challenging goal? What's our reason for going there? Our just cause, our motivator. And then, you know, what is our culture? What is our team? What what does excellence look like as a real tight-knit unit, mm-hmm. as, a, as a team, and how do we go towards that? You're finding that um, people's purpose in, say, this more this generation coming through with more an environmental climate change sort of slant in the world, do you find that um, the purpose has to change yeah. at some point? I think, I'd add to that, I think this generation coming through that I meet in sales teams, you know, these are young people joining sales teams that it's going to be hard for them to own a home. It's going to be hard for them to own a flash car. You know, the cost of living is so high at the moment, mm-hmm. but they are so purposeful. Like, I rarely meet one that is not driven by something bigger than themselves. Mm. And like you said, Emily, like environment or social causes or really that intense focus on truly helping people, which can so easily be honed to a customer. And it's just amazing. It's a credit to this generation coming through. I think they're an amazing group. And um, it's a great indicator of having to tailor but the motivational factor. Like, if you've got a mixed team of young and older generation or different, even different people within that one generation, which is, you definitely have that. It's about having that guiding light of a mission or a purpose as an organization or as a team, but being able to put it in the language of each individual and help them discover what that means to them. Mm-hmm. And that's where you really un- unlock motivation. Right. Wow. So I guess that's, um, that's going to be taking, um, you know, conversations with each individual, kind of more of a one-on-one sort of mm. coaching conversation. Yeah. To find, or are they are they mostly um, aware of that driving kind of purpose? No, you have to help people bring it out, really. And I find asking someone about their goal and then asking them why many times, doing root cause to it, actually helps them get to the deeper reason why they're driven by that. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple technique, but it works. And I think, like you said, you do have to tell it to the individual and that comes to the people factor of the whole book that we wrote about, which is how do you engage people, how do you lead people? And this is where a lot of the agile techniques really start to come into play. Mm-hmm. Like we write, I wrote a lot about the power of a one-on-one and how to coach for motivation and performance in a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. It's really understanding that individual's motivation and drivers but also their goals helping them understand where they're at now and then help them discover themselves how they can improve to bridge the gap and start moving forward. Like it's a lot of open probe questions, a lot of showing empathy. But the other factor then comes to the teamwork and culture. And that's why I believe Agile's got some really great techniques there. And the pillars of Agile are actually transparency, inspection and adaption. And that comes together in the Scrum. And really the Scrum is a chance for team to get together looking at transparent data you know visual data mm-hmm. and we talk a lot about in the book about having your the improvement and strategic work you're doing to improve in your plans but also your measures and i don't think we have time to go too much into measures today but we'll be releasing more content on lead and lake measures upcoming but it, once the team's got that transparent scoreboard you could call it they can then collaborate as a team inspect it and adapt every day and that adaption drives continuous improvement towards their goals. I think it's important that those aspects are in play to really build that unit. And I think it's also important that culture is part of that. 
You know, I see so many great techniques that teams use to drive culture through their, their scrums. You know, like one team at Signet, they use the 3H technique, which every team member will share a hero, a hardship or highlight each day. And that element of vulnerability and then other team members showing empathy to that or celebrating that just builds a strong unity as many techniques. But that brings in the people factor. And to me, that's where you capture your teamwork. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll... strong connection between the team. Yeah. An understanding of each other. And there's one thing I don't think we can get past, which is connections also formed outside of work on a personal level. So it can't just be work. And today in this era of remote work, it's a bit more difficult. But I believe that even through Microsoft Teams or Zoom, you can do outside of work events where team members get to live in each other's shoes, understand each other's background, laugh, carry on, create stories and moments. And, you know, it's about being creative. And I think through being creative using virtual technology, we can create just as good outcomes as when we used to go to the pub or go to a restaurant. But I think teamwork comes through those social gatherings as much as they do at work, and every leader should consider that, particularly in sales, where there can be a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. I love that saying still, work hard, play hard, Mm -hmm. because the play hard creates a lot of teamwork and and bonds. Mm. So it's interesting to try and think about that remotely or virtually, how you kind of have those group celebrations and yeah have you been involved in one yeah i have simple things like friday afternoon beers virtually um card games virtually uh board games virtually uh computer games virtually what else is there's a million things but it's just creating those moments for people to engage talk share understand laugh and do some stupid things at times that create folklore and stories Mm-hmm. It's all, all part of that. Yeah, the culture building. Um, so the back end of the book talks about a customer's journey. Mm. Um, why do you think that's such an important sort of yeah. journey to mention? I think with, book? with process, which is that third P that I'm talking about, it all comes back to process. Now, most companies build process based on their own internal wishes and desires and what they think is best. Mm-hmm. And you can lose touch with the customer Now, particularly in sales, although it applies to every part of business, the customer will make or break your organization. The customer will make or break your sales team. So when you think about building process and improving process, really we need to do it with the customer front and center. And so that's where the technique of customer journey mapping Mm -hmm. really allows teams to live in their customer's shoes and really think of every step their company does in its relevance to that customer and the customer's experience and then allows them to think of ways to improve. So it goes from discovery, which is where customers don't even know you, right the way through the sales process to purchase, to delivery and what they call devotion, which is where you're trying to really look to create devotion between your company's brand and yourself and the customer. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to plot and map every aspect of that journey from customer-facing yeah, the salespeople, marketers, engaging customers, to even the back office functions and processes. Right. I think the great thing of through COVID is I found that you can do this just as well virtually using virtual technology and mapping tools as much as the traditional way using post-it notes. Right. So you it's can a, see a lot of them on our wall. Yeah, still use the old <laughs> manual post-it notes. So it, it, it's a, a great approach. 
And the other aspect of it too is a concept called persona mapping and empathy mapping, where you're really looking to place yourself in those customer shoes and understand who are the different type of customers that we engage with mm -hmm. and who are they now, but who they could be in the future. And there's so much more to that. We, we could do an episode in the future just on customer journey mapping. I think we should because we've got actually some tools on our website that are those maps yeah. that we can fill out as a result of that customer journey mapping. And yeah. Well, definitely put them into context. Yeah. The companies like Priestley's and Signet, who I've done a lot of work with, that was a pivotal moment for them going through that process. Right. And it, it created great outcomes. It's a, it's a cultural change event as much as anything else because people go, get so deeply focused on the customer. Hmm. And how does that then maybe influence the strategy coming from that top line, top executive? Yeah. I believe that customer journey mapping needs to be done as part of strategic planning because it will create workload out of it. You know, there'll be large projects and small, easy wins out of it. Mm -hmm. And so I believe it's a great technique to use as part of strategic planning each year, even cultural planning really because cultural aspects and insights come out of it. And then that will feed into strategic planning, which then allows organizations to deploy and cascade strategy in a way that no one gets overburdened. Mm -hmm. There's a risk if you do it mid-year or mid-strategic cycle that you do end up overburdening people. Right. So, it's, so you it's, sort of recommend that deep dive into your customer yeah. and their voice and their journey sort of once a year. Yeah, once a year. This, your planning. Yeah, depending on your planning cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, in a true agile organization, Planning cycles can be quarterly or even more frequent. So mm -hmm. it's just whatever that, that frequency is. Right. Ah, oh, great. Thanks for explaining a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Your purpose is to create a better future. We see that all, you know, on all of your content that comes out. You mm -hmm. can create a better future. Do you mind just telling us all a bit about that? Yeah, I think um, I'm a mad keen learner, constantly learning constantly looking for information and knowledge and there's a lot of information and knowledge that you see in the world both economically environmentally and socially that is not good mm. and so you can get really dark about it and think oh my goodness what's what's going on what do we do but I'm always an optimist and I'm always one to be on the front foot so I guess that's what drives me in everything that I do and I know it drives you too Emily which is what can we do to help create a better future economically, environmentally, and socially. And it's driven by our kids. We've got two young children, Charlie, who's 10, Miranda, who's heading for three. Yeah. And they're wonderful kids. We want them to have a great future, but it does go bigger than that. You know, whenever I look at a child or, or any young person, I just wish for them to have the life that I've had, if not better. And I think that's what it's about. And the only way you can do it is just focus on it and take little steps every day and so that's the purpose of writing books that's the purpose of the podcast that's the purpose of every bit of consulting i do which is how do i help organizations so there's more jobs less environmental impact you know better social outcomes mm. and it makes things really enjoyable yeah it's a great purpose <laughs> yeah. and i'm finding that um you know a lot of guests on the podcast they also have that that kind of motivation that they want to create a better future and create uh, for the kind of generations to come. Yeah. I think you only need to look at Agile and Lean and Enterprise Excellence and it's all open source. Mm -hmm. You know, no one creates any theories or ideas or 
concepts to lock it away and protect it and patent it. Mm-hmm. It's all just open source. Everyone's about that better future from Peter Hines, who's just about excellence and organisations and sustainable excellence, Bob Hafey on safety, uh, Ken, Ken Webster on environmental, mm-hmm. Jeff Sutherland on agile, Scrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing fantastic. people. Yeah, yeah, fantastic sort of network of, mm. of sharing. And-, and, and everyone else. I've named a few, but all the other hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that work in this field. Yeah, fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so Brian, what do you think stops some organisations from sort of creating that better future? A lot of it, what I come across is organisations just get stuck in the whirlwind of habit and day to day and they lose sight of their motivator. And so I find a lot of companies I work with, I have to keep bringing it back to the motivator, bring it back to the motivator to then drive the energy to actually put the time into the practice they need to do to really make things different. Because yeah. like anything you want to change, whether it's one thing or five things, it's not easy, mm-hmm. no matter how simple or hard it is. Habits are hard to break. Yeah, and habits are hard to form. So it takes a lot of practice. So without motivation, it won't happen. And then the other thing is companies often take on too much. And so it's really helping people to distill it down to one or two things. Mm-hmm. Dave Stahoviak on the Coaching for Leaders podcast, he does such great work with that. And he refers to Dale Carnegie a fair bit. And um, I think that's that stops it. And then the other part that stops it is where you can't engage senior leadership. If you can't engage senior leadership on the journey, there's a real chance they'll do things that just blow it out of the water. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the other challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do companies ultimately get out of Agile Sales? Well, it comes down to that final P, which is performance. You know, they get the culture and they get the absolute focus on the right things, the challenging goals, the lead measures, the strategic execution and improvement to drive results. You know, I've seen 10 times performance increase, um, amazing outcomes, and it can be applied really quickly. So I think it's a great technique that really allows you to move fast and pivot quickly. The one thing I'd say is that every organisation is different, so every approach needs to be tailored. But reading the book, you and I have just put everything down on paper. You know, everyone can get to any information they need and also reach out if they've got any questions. We'd be happy to help and help set people in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking at sort of sending our first newsletters out, um, we're going to be featuring two-minute tips. Do you want to just give everyone a quick... Yeah, so everyone, if, if you do want to learn more into the future, of course, you've got the podcast, but then you can also register on our website and download a lot of forms and different bits resources. of information and resources that are freely there. The other thing is if you register on the website, you'll then also be in the newsletter and get notification of all the podcasts, all the two-minute tips you'll get and all the additional knowledge we're sharing to try and create a better future. Mm-hmm. So that website... The easiest one to go to is just iqi.com.au. Just those letters, iqi. Yep, .com.au. And you can also look me up on LinkedIn, Brad Jevons. It's great having an odd last name. There's not many of us about, so that's J-E-A-V-O-N-S. Yeah, we always have to spell that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, Brad, what have you learned recently that you haven't known before? I think... Uh, yesterday I was interviewing Katie Wellen on for the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. She's a leader in circular economy and she really brought to my attention where 
effort to achieve environmental gain on one part could actually create worse outcomes somewhere else. So mm-hmm. the importance of systemic thinking and being able to like put yourself in a helicopter and launch up above your business and mm-hmm. look at it as a whole. And that was really amazing. So thank you, Katie. That was a great insight and I love that. Yeah, fantastic. I look forward to hearing that one, Katie. Yeah, coming up. So what um, what does your sort of short-term future look like? Are you going to be doing anything different or...? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna keep running keep running our scrums and applying agile at the at the pace and getting fast that we can and it's just really all effort towards creating a better future and to me that's a lot in knowledge but it's also in coaching and support and so at the moment we're very focused on knowledge mm-hmm. and I'd say in the future at some stage we need to look more at coaching and support how do we help knowledge convert into action for people and become sticky And that's probably the frontier sometime down Mm -hmm. the track. Visionary. Yeah, great. I look forward to being part of that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, Brad. Thanks for kind of unpacking yourself a bit. And um, hopefully that gives you all an insight into into us and Mm. how we're helping to create a better future. And everyone, I could not be doing anything of what I do. This is team. And uh, Emily's a major help and major knowledge contributor and strategic thinker and bouncer and challenger and everything. So it's very much a teamwork approach, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks for listening to us, everyone. I hope you gained some value. Hope you and your family are well. Bye Bye for now. now.